England in 1851, there was a great exhibition of the works of industry from all nations, essentially displaying the beginnings of the Industrial Revolution. People flocked to see the mechanical marvels generated by steam, including the steam locomotive, the railroad engine that, that pulls all the stuff they make in the east all the way to the west. But do you know who won that prize? A steam-driven invention made up of 7,000 parts, pulleys, bells, whistles, and gears, and it accomplished absolutely nothing. Hi, everyone. I'm Bill Nordstrom, and welcome to the program today. You know, God's rapidly changing the way the church does ministry these days. I know we've heard that all before, but in most cases, it's been more of the same. A lot of bells and whistles, but few changes. But these days seem different. It would be difficult to survey anyone, and I mean anyone, who doesn't recognize there's a dramatic shift in social structures, global economies, and including the political agendas that defy all the accepted moral absolutes of numerous past generations. Yep, I mean, nothing seemingly is the same. Instead of the steam-driven invention of a hundred years ago, with all its bells and whistles that accomplished absolutely nothing— Today, it's the, the global technology purpose to make our hearts and lives better, but, but all too often leaves us spiritually bankrupt and morally exhausted. For the 21st century church, all too often, absent the power of the Holy Spirit, it's more coffee and crumpets to get us through the succession of Sundays. Well, let's see how they did it way back in the olden days, all the way back to Acts chapter 2, smack in the middle of a transitional generation, a season Jesus himself made clear would be a new spiritual dynamic, bringing with it a new spiritual privilege that would definitely require a new response. I believe that's where we are now in this season. Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit had fully come. This, this new assembly was gathered together in one accord. And oh boy, there was a demonstration of power, starting in verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. In the breaking of bread and prayers, then fear came upon every soul. Nope, we can't dance on the head of a pin here. This was fear. This was holy terror. And many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. That's an apostolic church. Verse 44. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and, and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and the breaking of bread from house to house. Now, now we may have a, a church building now, but intimate places of refuge may be just around the corner. And they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Now, let me say emphatically, that was communal. It was necessary then, and it'll be necessary in the very near future. Persecution was about to be released on this infant church, and, and the Word of God was clear. It'll come quickly and harshly to the church of today. 
If bells and whistles without a demonstration of power are what's keeping us together today, it'll be insufficient for tomorrow. This new spiritual dynamic definitely required a new and different response from the very legitimate biblical responses of the past. This was a new wine, a new time, a new season, and yes, it was a new day. This was a demonstration power, the works of church leaders, apostles, filled with the Holy Spirit and power to preach, teach, and heal. Peter's sermon was followed by a a demonstration of power. The words, they brought, the leaders brought. That's repeated 11 times in the New Testament, and it's clear this new demonstration of power brought with it some confusion that would lead to some offense. Listen to Acts chapter 2, verse 5. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men, from every nation under heaven. And when the sound occurred, this this sound of these tongues and languages, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in their own language. Verse 12. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What could this mean? Others, mocking, said, they're full of new wine. Yep, from confusion to offense. Listen to me, folks. Without power, there is no church. The works of Jesus were filled with power, preaching, teaching, and healing. And the mandate of the Lord is to go and do likewise. Just how much of those works are getting done today? So God has an answer for everything. These religious Jews were confused, and rightly so. And that turned to pushback, to to offense against these power signs. So along comes Peter to bring some significant clarification. Catch the simplicity of the message here. Acts 2.38 Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 39. For the promise is to you and your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Be saved, healed, and delivered from this increasingly perverted 21st century civilization. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Seems pretty direct to me in that time of great transition. Short, succinct, pithy, and germane. Right to the point of the matter. Remember, this was a time of great transition, a transition of a generation of people. It would soon also be brought to the Gentile population. Peter was introducing an entirely new way of knowing God. The clarification was simple, short, and sweet. Yes, beloved, the Acts 2 message to a transitional generation in this day being introduced and embraced by a 21st century forerunner generation, with prayer movements being raised up all over the globe, a generation of young adults filled with the Holy Spirit, introducing an apocalyptic prophetic reformation, a spiritual setup, so to speak, for an apocalyptic evangelism and revival 
throughout the nations. That first century fledging church, all dressed up with no place to go. No building, no pastor, knowledge of the word, no constitution, creed, or even bylaws. This was a fellowship of charter membership. We see four fundamental objectives in the next few verses in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. You see, they worshipped, they instructed, moved into a deep, meaningful fellowship, and they had free, open hearts for prophetic prayer ministry that would change the nations. The generation of today's young adults are, are looking for a meaningful spiritual experience, the real deal. Not satisfied with the stories of the past, the miracles and the experiences of, of a previous generation. This new generation thinks differently. They respond differently. Not very linear in their thinking. Rather, they embrace a wholeheartedness out of their realization of the season of their generation and the limited time given to complete their divine assignment. Yeah, my friends, this is the generation of the most intense, dramatic demonstration of signs and wonders and instruction, preparing for the close of this age and the introduction of the kingdom to come. Now, let me take a few minutes to show you something from chapter 21 of Matthew's Gospel. Some significant parallels to today's growing legion of young people breaking forth and understanding the enormity of the day in which they live. Matthew 21, verse 12. Then Jesus went into the temple of God and, and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. Folks, radical radical intense purpose in a generation that will require a house of purity, walking in holiness, preparing for the return of the King of Kings. Verse 13, and he said to them, it's written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. Listen, a quick end is coming in assemblies that are all smoke and mirrors. I know that's strong language, but I believe the new apostolic reformation, today's young emerging leadership, is not going to tolerate nonsense any longer. Now, that's going to upset some apple carts. Nevertheless, it's necessary in an apocalyptic reformation. Matthew 21, 14. Then, here's a timing indicator right from Matthew's gospel. The blind and the lame came to him, Jesus, in the temple, and he healed them. And when the chief priests and scribes, the religious elite, when they saw the wonderful things that he, Jesus, did, and the children crying out in the temple and saying, Hosanna, son of David, they were indignant and said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? Jesus said to them, Yes, have you never read out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants? You have perfected praise. Jesus makes his point, really makes his point in Matthew chapter 11, verse 25. Listen to this. At that time, he didn't miss a beat here. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. You've hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes, literally a minor, 
not of age, metaphorically childish, untaught and unskilled. Jesus told John the Baptist's generation that greater privilege in the age of grace requires a greater response, and failing to properly respond results in greater judgment. Those are words to consider carefully, folks. Hold them closely in your heart. A generation of young people are presently responding wholeheartedly. A group that's growing daily and will be on board when the Spirit says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel, and then, and then the end will come. Be sure to know, folks. I want to bring some clarification here. Be sure to know I'm making an important point here. I'm not in any way suggesting anyone over the age of 30 will not have an important role in the final seven years of this age. God always has his people in place and seasoned, articulate, learned men of the word to help lead the generation to come. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, I, I don't believe we need to be woke to all the social justice ills of the day. We want to be awakened by your Spirit to what's required of us, your church, your voice in the earth in this season. That with a great outpouring of your Spirit, a, a, a generation of the culturally minded will leave the counterfeit social agendas of works and embrace your call to repentance, infilling of the Holy Spirit, and the abundance of grace and mercy that comes with eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Father, raise up your prayer movements, the budding young prophets of this day. Give us the wisdom to separate the good of the past from the great of the future. Lord, I ask especially, you prepare young parents to see what's coming and have the wisdom and the spiritual knowledge to prepare their young children for the fulfillment of their divine destinies, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers that lead and instruct in the middle of chaos. All this comes in your grace and your mercy, Father, and of course, in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Maranatha, beloved, I'm Bill Nordstrom.